like something is brewing, about to begin. Can't put my finger on what lies in store, but I feel what's to happen or happened before. Hello and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast, a podcast that is practically perfect in every way. My name is Matt. Uh-huh. Our little Matt's grown up. He was able to make an <laughs> intro that works for the episode. Ladies I and gentlemen, let's give him a round day. of applause. I love it. I love it. Uh, I, my name's Casey. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. I have to concur with Matt. Our show is practically perfect in every way. Only took and, me uh, 103 episodes to really, like, you know, start preparing my intros. Well, actually, more than 103 episodes, considering we also have the Infinity Saga series in True. there and the special episodes in there. So, But uh, who is the uh, lovely lady sitting next to you? Of course, you guys can't see this, but I can see see her. Yes. So, um, you know, we teased this last time, uh, you know, we had uh, my wife on. Uh, uh, It was supposed to be our Mary Poppins episode and do some like scheduling things. We did our, you know, journey through the um, through the movies. So please welcome back to the podcast. My wife, Jessica. Hi, I got my practically perfect Mary Poppins shirt on today for the for this podcast. Yeah, we've been teasing this one for. I want to say a bit, Matt, because we were, like you said, we were supposed to do this back in in January, I want to say. Uh, I think so. February, February 9th is when we were supposed to do it. And um, so it's been a bit, and we've pushed it back. We wanted to do it. And let's set this up here real quick for a moment. So back in the fall, we did um, an episode on Finding Nemo versus Finding Dory, because Matt and I had conflicting opinions about which of the two movies in the series was better. I prefer Finding Dory. He prefers Finding Nemo. And we had a very robust conversation about that. Um, and, and, and we set the rule up that we're not really trying to convince the other person that we're right. We're just simply kind of putting it out there why we prefer one over the other. It's kind of what the what has evolved from the convince me uh, we used to do way back when, right? Except now we're not really convincing. We're just kind of laying our thoughts out there. Um, and so we said we wanted to do another one of those because that was one of our most popular episodes. We wanted to do another one. And we said, OK, what's a movie we could do this with? And I threw out, geez, this had to have been back in November, maybe. What about Mary Poppins? And he, as soon as I said that, Matt's like, yes, but one condition. My wife is coming on the show because she loves Mary Poppins. And I said, I OK, sounds like a plan. So uh, this is going to be an interesting conversation because as I understand it, Matt, uh, you are obviously uh, on the side of Mary Poppins is the better of the two alongside of your wife, where I, being the sequel guy that I am, uh, prefer Mary Poppins Returns. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and and let me say this. This is not something that, you know, that we can do with all movies, because one of the things I think makes Finding Dory, Finding Nemo, and then Mary Poppins and Mary Poppins Returns is both of the movies we think are really excellent. Like, this is not a, like, this is not a, oh, we, we want to disparage another one. And so, it, you know, we can't do this with every, with every movie. We can't, we can't do an episode where, which do you like better, Aladdin or Aladdin 2? It's like, <laughs> it's like uh, or, clearly or it's Aladdin. Our, or to continue our conversation from a couple episodes ago, 101 Dalmatians or 102 Dalmatians, which one yeah. do you really want? You yeah. know, like, it's not going yeah, to work. Yeah. So 
you know, Mary Poppins is one of those movies where, you know, it's it, it it's got the nostalgia factor, it's got the historical factor, it's got the Walt factor. Um, you know, you, you add in Saving Mr. Banks, which in a lot of ways, my, in my opinion, is kind of like Mary Poppins one and a half in kind of a way. Like it, it kind of tells that <laughs> story. And, and so you kind of put that out there. Not only does Mary Poppins have the heart of the general Disney lay fan, it's got the true heart of the tr- like the Dis nerd. And so we are dealing with a lot of delicate territory here. And so I, I totally understand that. And, and I think as we go through and we just kind of lay out there why we believe what we believe um you know uh we understand that this is kind of a sensitive topic and i don't think any of us wants to say you're wrong it's it's here's why i think this and here's why you think that you know yeah so i, I think we have to start because jessica this is like your favorite movie correct yes so uh, why, why, um, why is know. it your favorite yes like why is, d- yeah, describe why, why is this your favorite movie? so I've loved it ever since I can remember. I know like I have a defining moment in my brain in second grade. Miss um, Drost, my second grade teacher, asked me during our music program if I would be Mary Poppins. So we mm. sang as a class Chim Chimery and um, I got to dress up like Mary Poppins. I got the fancy black flat hat with the flowers in it and the um they found some sort of a coat that looked like mary poppins coat that fit second grade me and um (laughs) i got to you know do my choreography where i walked across the stage with bert and it was it was awesome and julie andrews has always been a favorite of mine um and ever since then, like on sick days when I was homesick from school, I, Mary Poppins was my go-to movie. And that's always just been, um, I love Mary Poppins. So All second right. grade was kind of where I remember for sure it's starting, but I'm sure I loved it before then too. So I so, so it's easy to say then that a lot of your connection to the movie has a lot to do with the fact that you, you, you played the character. You have an emotional connection to the movie because it resonates to a very important part of your life is what I'm hearing. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think Matt, what she's described is very similar to my emotional connection to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. The same reason why I, I have such a, a strong attachment to that movie is because I remember seeing it with um, my aunt Betty. I remember going to Holly by Golly's. I remember seeing it in the movie. I remember being taken. It was like a her and I special time. And I think this is a a good time to kind of insert, kind of one of the points that I'm going to bring up a little bit later, which is somebody's reasoning for liking one or the other i think or really any movie has a lot to do with at what point in their life and what was going on with their life and the circumstances of how they saw the movie um before i give mine matt what is your uh, original remember watching mary poppins when did you first see it it was the only watchable movie at my grandparents house the rest that they had i like it was like old-timey movies that at you know six-year-old me or eight-year-old me had zero interest in but they had mary poppins Mm. and so when it was you know when i was bored and wanted something to do i i could choose to watch mary poppins and i I don't think i ever sat through the entire thing when i was young like i would just catch bits and pieces and then like fall asleep or it'd be time to go or something like that and so we we'd stop but i i remember that as well as all you 90s kids will know this, those Disney sing-along VHSs, there were a lot of them that had the Mary Poppins songs on them. So, I mean... It's because the songs are awesome. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we had Jim Jimmery and Supercalifragilis and the, 
and the um, spoonful of sugar, uh, like all of them were, were spread throughout the VHS sing-along videos that, um, that we had, which by the way, I'm going to insert this here. Uh, Disney, Disney put those on Disney plus. That's the easiest thing you can do to just stick those sing-along things on Disney plus <laughs> like done. My child would love the, just the sing-along portion, not the full movie. So, okay. Just inserting, inserting that one in here. They can put um, the, uh, the Disney store DVDs on there too. I think any of the Disney yeah. store DVDs would be amazing. Yeah. So I think to that point, so Jessica, your emotional connection is from second grade, Matt, your connection to the movie is from when you were six years old. I actually didn't see Mary Poppins until after I saw saving Mr. Banks. I saw Saving Mr. Banks first. So we all know our friend of the pod, um, Amy Birchman, who's been on the show several times. So Amy and I have known each other since 2013, actually since 2012, but we became friends in 2013 when we both moved out to the Chicago area for our our job. So we kind of were introduced to one another as, hey, you're a huge Disney fan. You're a huge Disney fan. Go. And and that's kind of how we cemented our relationship. (laughs) That's basically what happened. And so that was the summer of 2013, which was when Saving Mr. Banks came out. So Amy, coming from Detroit, like I did, we were transplants. She spent a lot of time at our house or our apartment, I should say. And, And we decided to go see Saving Mr. Banks at the theater. And she's like, yeah, it's all about Mary Poppins. Now, I knew who Mary Poppins was. I knew the story behind Feed the Birds, uh, how it was Walt's favorite song. But I didn't know anything else about the movie. I'd never seen it before, ever. So here we go, and we go to see the movie. We go to see Saving Mr. Banks. It's a good movie. I love Tom Hanks. Of course, it's got Walt Disney. It's got that whole Disneyland part in there, which is really cool. But the whole movie itself is lost on me because I don't know anything about Mary Poppins. I, I I know just the base story. It was then like the following week that she comes back over and we watched Mary Poppins in my living room when I was uh, uh, 31 years old or 30 years old. So my connection to Mary Poppins is much different because I saw it as an adult. I saw it as somebody who's seen the movie of Saving Mr. Banks. I kind of saw it out of order. So I think that's important to clarify because I don't necessarily have the same nostalgia for it that what I would argue anyone under the age of 60 does. I mean, let's be honest, anyone 60 or younger has seen this movie at some point or a lot of them when they were a kid. I mean, the movie's 54 years old. So you oh, know, I'm, I'm showing it tonight. Actually, probably as we speak, it's just finishing up at the senior living community that I work at. That's my weekend movie is Mary Poppins. I love and, it. That is when amazing. I passed out the, when I passed out the calendar, I overheard a lot of people, Oh, they're showing Mary Poppins in the theater. And so they, they were very <laughs> excited about it. So, so I, I think it's important to say this, that I don't think Mary Poppins is a bad movie. I actually think it's a, a wonderful movie. I just don't have the heart string attachment to it that you two and many others do. I will say though, that feed the birds is a song that to this day still makes me cry. It's one of the absolute most amazing songs in not only Disney history, just music history ever. I mean, it's just an amazing song knowing what it was to Walt too, which I think is important. He would walk up to the Sherman brothers and just go play it. Like they would knew exactly what he was trying, what he was saying. You know, that's an amazing piece of trivia. Feed the birds, toppins a bag, 
Piggyback, to piggyback off what you're saying too, um, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, we, we're we not sitting here saying, oh, Mary Poppins Returns is an inferior movie that is horrible and we don't like anything about it. it it's it's very enjoyable. Um, but really a sequel that does the original justice, I think. So I actually want to ask that question real quick, Jess. I want to ask you this. When you first heard, because there was a lot of consternation when Mary Poppins Returns got announced in 2014 or 2015, whenever it got announced, like, how dare they? How can they do this? It was like, a lot of people thought it was a remake at first, and that really caused a lot of concern. Of course, then it got clarified. No, 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 this is a sequel 25 years later. As somebody who's as emotionally connected to the original as you are, what was your initial gut reaction about the making a, a new Mary Poppins with a whole new actress, a whole new cast? I was really curious. I um I I tend to not set expectations for things like that because I don't like for my expectations to not be met. So if you don't set expectations, then it tends to be an enjoyable experience most of the time. And so um, my my main thought was that I was just very curious. What is what is this going to be? What are they going to do? Um, knowing that both Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke were both still alive. Are they going to bring them back for any part of that? What's that going to look like? Um, how are they? How are they? How is anyone going to be Mary Poppins except Julie Andrews? That was probably the biggest one. Is like that's that's, yeah. that's Mary Poppins is Julie Andrews. They're the same person. They're one and the same. Um, and so initially, it was just I was curious and excited to kind of see what they were going what what the plan was, what they were going to do with it. I think they did a great job at the outset of. Julie Andrews was very vocal early on. It seemed like, she of, supported I, it. yeah, mm-hmm. like I support Emily Blunt, um, Emily, you know, and, and that, that was good that there was not this war of like secret, you know, you kind of had this with star Wars and Mark Hamill where all these reports after episode eight came out of like, well, he didn't like the script and, but, and so you now have all that argument going on, which I don't need to start Casey on another star Wars rant, but <laughs> <laughs> um, if you but, can figure out a way to work in watching the star Wars animated series into this show you have become the master of the pod so it's gotta make sense but we're not there yet so um but but everyone seemed very uh very on board with it i i honestly i'll be honest i did not hear a lot of people i mean they were apprehensive but did not hear a lot of people that were just outright against it once everything was clarified as you said because i i think a remake i would have been like no 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 i think disney was smart enough to know not to remake it and but i think just your your description of i was curious is probably the best way to put it i think everyone was like huh like and, and I think another thing that's important to point out is it wasn't a money grab either. I, I, you know, I don't think Disney was looking at this as a money grab. Let's be honest. Some of the live action remakes they've been doing, frankly, are money grabs. Lion King was a money grab. Aladdin, for as great as it was, was a money grab. He meant you're tugging on the heartstrings of 90s nostalgia. This. And it's working. This was, yeah. We're falling it, for it. <laughs> I'm totally guilty. But this, this was you know, in many ways was considered Walt's crowning achievement, right? 
And, and so you're messing with Walt, like, and you're not just going to get the, D- the Disney nineties kids. You're going to get the, the Diz nerds, like the hardcore people going, you don't do this right. You're going to, you know, really make a lot of people angry. And so like the entire team, you know, Rob Marshall, John DeLuca, Mark Platt, when I was reading up on this, as far as Mary Poppins returns, they were fans of the original. And, and the way they described this was this is our nod to the original work. This was our nod to how the original movie was done. Right. And so I think, you know, putting that out there, it's just as important to say, even though I am a fan of the, of, of the, of returns more than I am of the original, I also acknowledge the fact that you can't get returns without the original because returns is very much a, a derivative of Mary Poppins. And, and, you know, I think that's really important to call out, you know, yeah, but I think I would argue that's any sequel. Like I could come mm-hmm. with any sequel argument to you and be like, "Well, uh, you you don't you don't get your precious sequel if uh if the first one doesn't exist." And that just seems like a kind of a cop out, like duh, <laughs> like a duh answer. So, um, so I want to yeah, know so this. So, so let's get into into the movies a little bit. So, why do you prefer? You know, I've got a list of, I think I got six things here that I prefer returns over Mary Poppins. I don't know what, how long your list is, but let's kind of go tit for tat. If you will go back and forth on these, I'll let you guys go first. Give me one of the reasons why you prefer the original versus Mary Poppins returns. Um, so being a, a Mary Poppins dork, um, I've read a lot of the books by PL Travers and kind of have mm-hmm. some more background there. And um, from the perspective of that as well as the things that we learn in the saving mr banks movie i think that um i prefer the mary poppins that julie andrews plays to the mary poppins that emily blunt plays in terms of just the um the wit and her comebacks and her the way that she messes like meshes the silliness and goofiness along with the seriousness um i think that julie andrews balances that in a more truthful way to um, the experience that Peel Travers was trying to express in her books and in kind of her, her life and her childhood and her bringing up. Um, and so I just, the, I'm, I mean, I'm a huge Julie Andrews fan anyway, but that definitely um, is not that Emily Blunt plays a poor Mary Poppins, but just from my, the Mary Poppins that I built up in my head from reading the books and knowing all that history is the Julie Andrews Mary Poppins, not the Emily Blunt Mary Poppins. I think Emily Blunt at times, and this is not just necessarily her portrayal, but some of the writing too, Mary Poppins comes off as, Julie Andrews Mary Poppins come off as confident, but not like downright pompous and cocky. And there were times where I was like, "Oh, that's that's kind of like a like a really cocky statement." Cocky that, and kind of flippant. Like. Yeah. Mary um, Poppins is so intentional. Julie Andrews, Mary Poppins is very intentional about everything she did. And it was letting the kids have fun and not, I don't know, almost like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, like it's wiggling it, my shoulders back and forth. Like, it's like it just kind of like, like rubbed you the wrong way. Like, it, it, and it's not, it's, it's not throughout the whole movie. It's just here and there where you're like, Oh, that, that was just downright kind of rude. Mary Poppins wouldn't do that. Yeah. So see, it's interesting though, that you say that because in reading up for this episode, I know that P.L. Travers was not a fan of how Andrews portrayed Poppins because she was too cheerful. Because I guess in the book she is 
much more succinct, much more serious, much more matter of fact, much more curt even in some cases. Now, I've never read the books. I'm just going off of the, the research that I did. But what I was going to say, I, I agree with you that Emily, or Emily Blunt, it does seem like Julie Andrews had a touch of the whimsical, but also of the, again, very confident, succinct way of mannerism, where Emily Blunt, I feel like, got away from that succinct mannerism and was much more whimsical. And I do agree with you there. I can definitely see why you would, why the two, I don't necessarily know if I ever picked up on, wow, that was kind of rude from Emily Blunt's version of it. There were a few comments where I think it probably bordered from confidence into cocky. I would agree with you there. Um, but that said, very, very minor, I think. Absolutely. Oh, it, again, like because these movies are so great, like it's 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 nitpicky. This is going to be a nitpicky <laughs> episode. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to give All you right, what's your first first one. And even though this is obvious, it still has to count. Better production value. Better production value. And I'm not saying the film quality. I'm not saying, you know, Mary Poppins was built on literally Disney's studio. Like it was built at Disney's studio in California. Mary Poppins Returns actually filmed in London. Like they 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 actually used outside outside sets outside sceneries they built a giant giant um soundstage for other things but in terms of the production value it wasn't just painted backgrounds it was a true they, they went all out to to create it and so i think even though one was being made in 2018 one was being made in the 1960s i get all that but that being said when you stack the two up against one another Mary Poppins Returns has a much better production value. Even in the music, um, we're going to get to songs in just a minute, but even the music, the, the, the orchestra is better. Because again, over you know 50 year, 54 year history, you're able to, to have a much better value in terms of the orchestra, the sound quality. They went back, I think in 2004 and touched up the original soundtrack for Mary Poppins to get it up to par. And so that just goes to show you that there was always this work in progress that said, I think Mary Poppins returns when stacked up against Mary Poppins just has a better production value to it. That I, I will I say this. I do Go love ahead. the fact, and I'll let Jessica uh, say what she was going to say. I do love the fact that they did go back to traditionally hand-drawn animation for Mary Poppins Returns, so that it could um, from a nostalgia perspective, match up with the universe that Mary Poppins had created. That was a very good, I'm glad they didn't do some kind of computer generated thing. That was a very good, uh, so go ahead. Yeah, I guess my counter to that would be um, in the, first of all, in order for Mary Poppins Returns to be accepted, I think they had to have a production value that high. I think if they'd done anything Agreed. less than that, that um, those Disney's people would, would have been pretty darn angry with what Disney had chosen to do with a beloved character. Um, but then also if you consider like what you were talking about, mixing the animation with the live people in the 1960s, like that was incredible. Her being able to pull those things out of her carpet bag, like those, those are not things that were often seen on, on movies. And so I think at the time, the things that they were able to come up with and do were pretty darn incredible. And oh, now agree. looking back 50 agree. years later, is like, well, that's kind of lame. Clearly you can tell what they did and, and that sort of stuff. But at the time, I think that it was it was pretty revolutionary 
And I'm guessing that the funding for Mary Poppins original was not anything near what they had for Mary Poppins returns. I think um, when I looked so, at it, the budget was 20, 21 million for the original versus Mary Poppins returns was 130 million. Now, Keep in mind, Holy twenty-one cow. million. But keep in mind, twenty-one million oh, in nineteen sixty dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but I, to, to your point, I, I completely agree with what you're saying there, Jessica. And I think I think part of it has to go back to you saw this as a kid, so it was whimsical for you. It was magical for you. I didn't. I saw it as a thirty-year-old man sitting in my living room on a twenty-five-inch TV. You know, like it's you know totally different experience. <laughs> so, all right, I'm going to take my number two point real quick. I believe Mary Poppins Returns is a better movie because I think the songs are better. I believe the songs in Mary Poppins Return are catchier. They're more meaningful other than Feed the Birds. I think Feed the Birds was amazing. Um, I think that I can listen. I can put on the Mary Poppins Returns soundtrack literally and just listen to it consistently and, and like jump around and dance to it and sing to it. I can't do that with Mary Poppins. Uh, Mary Poppins is fun, but it's not as great as Mary Poppins. Bucks and mares, cubs and does, welcome to our show of shows. It is my great honor to introduce this evening's renowned guest, the one, the only, Mary Poppins. Thank you. Sing for us, Mary Poppins. No, I couldn't possibly. D flat major. Hmm. Um, I, okay, I, I have to say, "Cover is not a book" is is the song that constantly is stuck in my head all the time. Uh, Triple O um, Light Fantastic is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, and okay. Triple O Light Fantastic. It, it is. It, it is. It, I, it, it rivals Step in Time for sure. Ooh. Um, okay, oh, so yeah. this, this you, you have moved into one of our points, and and, and, and that is yeah, triple, triple Little Light Fantastic is where is one of the things we talked about this over dinner where it it's it's okay again it's great great song it's really fun to listen to and and but when you start thinking about what they're saying well it doesn't make any sense it's it's there there's two main things for me in Triple Light Fantastic there's a couple of moments that feel choreographed. The, the beauty of choreography is you're not supposed to say someone choreographed that. Every moment in every movie is, Choreograph. is choreographed or somewhat choreographed. But there's, there's, one, there's one portion of it where it's, it's like a side shot and it's Lin-Manuel Miranda's character and like eight dancers and they're doing something with their arms and it looks so forced. You're it not telling me so that Jolly, Jolly Holiday does not look forced to you. Come on. It doesn't. On. It does oh not my look forced. Lord. That, the whole scene when, I think it's Jolly Holiday, when Dick Van Dyke pulls his pants down and he's dancing like a penguin. Like, come that on. That does not feel forced at all. No, that oh, yes, it, it does. It's goofy. Oh. They're being goofy in a chocolate because oh. that's what you do when you drop into a well, chocolate painting. And I guess now, in comparing it to Stephen. I'm sorry, real quick. Regarding what you were saying, Jessica, about what are they even talking about, right? You know, like that, that whole, like what are they actually discussing? I actually looked this up. So as I was reading this, what's actually going on with Triple Little Light Fantastic? And when they're talking about saying words and different phrasing and all that stuff, that is actually something that happens in London. It is actually, I looked it up. It's called rhyming slang. It's a slang word construction that was done in 
it's done in the UK, Ireland, and Australia that made its prevalence on the east end of London. Uh, it's alternatively called Cockney rhyming slang. Um, basically, it is exactly as Bert describes it, where you take two words. The second word is meant to rhyme with the word that you actually meant. So, for example, uh, the word stairs you say apples and pears, but instead you say, hey, I'm gonna go climb those apples. And you're actually meaning, I'm gonna go climb those stairs. It's actually a real thing. Like it, it, that's where they got it from. And that's, and the Triple Little Light Fantastic is meant, you know, it, it, of course it's meant to get them out of the, 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 the conundrum they're in and all that stuff. I just think, I didn't like the song at first. I remember the first time I heard it, I hated it. But it is one of those songs that when you actually listen to it all the way through, it just grows on you. And it's, it's, it's a classic in my book. A leery loves the edge of night, though dim to him the world looks bright. He's got the gift of second sight. To triple little light, fantastic! A leery's job's to light the way. To take the night and make it day. We mimic the moon, yes, that's our aim. For we're the keepers of the flame. And if you're deep inside a tunnel and there is no end in sight, well, just carry on until the dawn. It's darkest right before the light. Fantastic, won't you triple little life? Fantastic, come on, triple little life! Fantastic with me. Okay, I will admit that it's very cool to know that that is a that is a thing that is real. But the fact that you had to research it, like I should not have to research something and have prior research of a movie to or to of like a a dialect because that's my problem with that scene where it's like. I, some of it I understand like when he starts off and he said, join us in a game of kicking, kicking frogs, I believe is what he says. Right. And, and, and he's like, Oh, you know, that means dance. It's Leary speaking. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. If I, think it's like, hey, kick, I think it's kicking France, which means dance. Okay. Kicking France. Dance, kick in France. See, the yes. fact that I don't know what he's saying is the problem. Um, but then well, they go into the accent that was started with. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he goes on this like, you know, we found this boat, rabbit in a hole, and, and it's like th- this means nothing. Like it's just, so wait, if I go fun. up to someone and say, if I go up to someone and be like, rabbit in a hole, bicycle spoke, they're gonna be like, oh, you had a bowl and it broke. It's like no, they're not. They're gonna be like, what in the world are you saying? It, it's that that part is just it. It I don't know. It, whereas I, I, you know, obviously the movies are. I, this is a good place to say it. the movies are exactly the same. Like they follow uh-huh. the exact same story arc, and so it's impossible in my mind to not like go, all right, triple light fantastic is compared to step in time because, um, because it ain't because, cause that's, that's where it is in the story arc. That's, well, I think and, that's what the, the critics say. It's derivative of the original. That's what they're talking about. I mean, it is yeah. literally, I don't want to say it's a play by play as original, but the, 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 the arc itself is, is very much the same. Absolutely.
Step in Time just feels more fun to me. It just feels more fun. I feel like Triple Triple Light Fantastic is really really great, but hey, what's, I, your just opinion, that... what's your opinion of 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 um this uh, the, the place where lost things go? That song makes me cry. I love that. I hear you. It makes me cry all the time. Anybody who's ever lost someone in their life can relate to 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 what Georgie and John and and um, uh, the other kid's name who's is escaping me at the moment. Um, and I, know, I, not to argue not to argue your side of it, but that is one thing that I will say. Mary Poppins Return does have is the element of a loss that Mary Poppins does not have. Yeah. Um, so that that's an interesting, you know, for 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 people who are out there, ah, it's just the same movie. That's an element that's there that's not in the original Mary Poppins. All right, so give me your next one. Give me your next one. Um. Do you want to do the Jane? Oh, that's yours. No, no, go for. It. Oh, whatever, whatever point you got. Okay. Um. Well, I can do that one. That the Jane is is um an important character, obviously, because she's Michael's sister. Um. But the adding the like love story just seems like a waste of time like we don't it's it almost felt like oh michael has this whole story built around him and his family oh shoot we probably should talk about jane so let's like throw this awkward love story in there i would agree with you i would i would agree the the love story between between jane and and uh it's not bert uh what's his name um goodness Lynn Manuel Mandarin's character, whose name is escaping me. Thank you. Is kind of awkward. It, it is. It is really weird. Um, but I would also argue that again, we talk about how how it's derivative of the original Mary Poppins. I would say the whole suffragette movement of their mother in the original is also just kind of filler. Like it's just weird. It, it, it doesn't add anything to the story all that much. See, so, I think that it adds a purpose in that um, Mr. Banks is such this, like, manly head of a, of a traditional household, and his wife is off doing things that he doesn't really approve of. And so I think it adds some, some conflict there. I also am a big fan of Mary Poppins the Musical, like on stage. Uh-huh. And um, they play into Mrs. Banks' character a, a lot more. So it's all the songs that are in Mary Poppins in that storyline. It just develops some of the characters a little bit further. And Fun story um, about, or fun little fact about Mary Poppins the musical. Uh, nobody, when that mo- when the musical was being created, Travers, uh, P.L. Travers' estate, or P.L. Travers actually, said that the only way she was going to grant rights to do the musical uh, was that if nobody was involved from the original production. Hmm. hmm. Mm-hmm. She she hated the original. She hated the original so much that she didn't want anybody to to, to from Disney to be involved with it. Well, it there's really there is more truth when in the musical to the um, to oh, the original story that she wrote. Um, but Mrs. Banks is a much more developed character in the musical, yeah. and just that um, she talks about the struggle of being married to somebody that. Um, that it feels like her only role is to be a wife and that she doesn't feel like she has any independence. And so I think with that background, that gives a little bit of the suffragette. Like that's that's her purpose. She's picked that as, as a reason to exist. Didn't they say in Saving Mr. Banks, maybe this was just dr- dramatization. You would know better because you've read the books. Was she a suffragette in the books too? 
I don't remember. It's been a while. I, I yeah, swear I, that P.L. Travers in the movie was like, you're going to make her suffrage, suffragette? That, that'll that never work. I, I swear I remember seeing that in the, in the Mr. Binks, but I, I don't know. But interesting. Yeah. All right. Give me another one of your points, then I'll, we'll snake back around to me. Do you got one? You go for it. Um, so I think that Mary Poppins Returns is very, um, the plot is very predictable in that you know, all right, we see where this is going. The kids are acting too much like adults and they need to have more fun. And Michael is all stressed out and because of all this other stuff. And so Mary Poppins is coming in to save Michael and save Jane. Yep. Woohoo. Awesome. In Mary Poppins, you get a little bit of a twist and where, and again, assuming you have not seen Saving Mr. Banks and, and all and, and everything or seen the movie before, you enter into this movie and you think, it's naughty kids that are going to get set straight by this nanny. And she balances this like uh, whimsicalness with obedience and other things like this. But then the end of the movie comes and it's, oh, no, it's not necessarily. Well, even just in the middle of the movie when um, when they're going to the bank with their father. And she says sometimes people can't see past the end of their nose. And you start to think, oh, oh wait. Who is, who is Mary Poppins here to take care of? And it and it further progresses and you see the development of that father character and how how significant that is. And then at the end, the, yeah. It's, it's, so it's, it's a little bit of a twist ending where I felt like Mary Poppins returns, but then the first 10 minutes, I'm like, yeah, this is how it's going to end. No, but see, <laughs> I, I don't agree with that. I, I agree with you about Mary Poppins. I, I completely agree. Mary Poppins is a, I think it's a play on, on there that she's there to take care of, of the dad and, and, and I completely agree with that. But the way that they tee up Mary Poppins' return, I don't, I don't think you can predict what happens at, at the beginning of the movie all the way through the end. I mean, the, the, the through plot or the through line of, of, of Mary Poppins' returns, take something as simple as um, um, the, the captain and, and Mr. Barnacle at the, you know, on the top of the roof and that, that Big Ben's always five minutes too early, right? You know, you, it's a throwaway line at the very beginning of the movie. You have no, you have no idea why he says it, right? Or five minutes too late, or whatever he says. It's a throwaway line, throwaway line, and it literally is a through line that goes all the way through the end that plays literally to the drama at the very end of the movie. Um, you definitely don't see, uh, of course, if you knew Dick Van Dyke got cast, but you don't see that. Mr. Dawes Jr., you know, suddenly makes an appearance at the end and suddenly he makes an appearance at the end. And, and like the whole idea oh, of the Tuppence, I... the whole idea of the Tuppence being invested and being able to pay for the loan, like that came out of nowhere. Like that came out of complete nowhere. You know, okay, like I, ha- I have to interject here, which by um, the way, hold I on. have to interject here. This, I was just saying this, um, that was one of my points, which is the, the callbacks to the original are really strong, but they're not done in a, like corny way, like the ability to call back to that Tuppence investment that, that, that Michael made when he was a kid and that it's grown big enough to be able to take care of the debt that he owes like that right there. And then at that moment, the feed, the birds starts playing in the background. Like, come on, like Disney knew what they were doing with that to literally bring that in, but go ahead. Sorry. Oh, it, it's, it's a great callback. I, I, I completely agree. I, I, I'm sorry. I have to interject here with this. And cause you mentioned it with, with, you know, Dick Van Dyke was unfortunately not necessarily a surprise because, you know, in this day and age, it's hard to keep something like that a surprise. I mean, it still boggles my mind that Star Wars was able to keep the whole baby Yoda thing a secret because he's trying real hard. He's trying real hard. 
he really is. It's it, it's it's the parallels. Um, um, or even I guess okay, let me go MCU to keep Evan Peters as Quicksilver under wraps for that long. There, I, I made a non Star Wars one, but go. um, I wish that they would they could have. Because to be able to sit in that theater and all of a sudden Dick Van Dyke comes out. I don't know. I don't know if you have seen when Disneyland celebrated their 60th anniversary. They did one of those like, you know, gala sing along, you know, hey, talk about Disneyland they events. They had a bunch of people coming doing the different callbacks. So we're doing Mary Poppins and they're all dancing to Step in Time. And all of a sudden these doors open and Dick Van Dyke walks through. 90 something year old Dick Van Dyke wow. dancing along with all the other dancers. And everybody lost it. Because the crowd is, they're, they're, nobody, they're losing their minds. Nobody knew he was going to be there. And it just, like, the fact that somebody just that iconic would just show up at something like that was amazing. And I, again, like Matt was saying, it's so hard to replicate that in such a long, extended movie recording sort of thing. But if there would have been any way they could have done that. And if Dick Van Dyke just, like, the theaters would have just lost it. It would have been so, so, so cool. I may be circling the drain, but... I got a few steps left in me. So when they tell you that you're finished and your chance to dance is done, that's the time to stand, to strike up the band and tell them that you've just begun. So when life's a real piece super, you must choose to be a trooper or your life comes with a lifetime guarantee as you... Triple it like fantastic! And that's not necessarily a knock on the movie. That's just a knock. No, 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 no. Well, it's just how it, but you know, it's funny you you talk about that. So, you know, talking about Julie Andrews, there was so much conversation about, is she going to make a cameo? What would she do? And and very early on, she goes, she's like, I'm not going to do it. This is Emily Blunt's show. I don't want to step on her. And for everything that we're going through and me talking about how much I love Mary Poppins Returns, the one thing that would have made it that much better would have been able to see even an image of Julie Andrews. And I have said from the very beginning since I saw the movie, because I saw it twice in the theaters, from the very beginning when I saw that movie, that the perfect spot, that, and she didn't even have to do anything. They could have just used a picture of her as Mary Poppins, is the very end when she stares into the reflection in the balloon and she sees herself it should have been Julie Andrews' reflection. Like, hmm. I, you know what I'm talking about? She scares, stares into the red balloon, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. red balloon, I think, winks at her. It should have just been Julie Andrews looking back at her. Like, that would have been the perfect nod to close the movie out and say it's the same person, no matter how she, you know. But, you know, I get it. You know, she didn't want to, you know, she didn't want the cameo in the movie. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think if they could have kept it under wraps, obviously um, they couldn't, and, and, and they did what they could. That said, um, one of the reasons why I think Mary Poppins Returns is that is better is because it does have two very iconic actresses who play very uh, memorable characters who I think are more memorable than the original. And that is, I think Topsy is a better character, better relative than Uncle Arthur. Topsy is my, I love that scene when everything's turning turtle and I love that scene. Um, the Uncle Arthur, I don't get me wrong, I love, I think it's Edwin who plays him. Um, I, I, I think it's a fun scene. I, I think it's fun. I think it's a little obnoxious, 
Um, he lasts a little too much his, for me. His topsy is not obnoxious. Also, no, Ed, I don't also think Ed, so. I just love that. I just love that scene so much. Edwin reminds me of King Candy from Wreck It Ralph. Yes, and like, yes. I, like, <laughs> Ed, well, you know why? Is Edwin voiced um, Mad Hatter? I believe. I believe oh. Edwin is the voice of the Mad Hatter. I gotta look that up now. Hmm. Hold on. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. But yeah, anytime I, I when when I first saw Wreck It Ralph and I saw I heard King Candy, I was like, yeah, he did. that's not Edwin. He's dead. <laughs> yeah, Edwin voiced Mad Hatter, and the the actor who voiced uh, King Candy was doing kind of an homage to the Mad Hatter. So yeah, that's I mean funny. it's Alan Tudyk, so you know, yeah. the master. So of- I I absolutely love Topsy, and then of course the other one is the Balloon Lady, Angela Lansbury. I absolutely love that scene, and I do believe that's taken right out of one of the books, right? Uh, Old Travers mm-hmm. books. I believe the Blue Lady is in like one of the sequels. Yeah. In fact, yeah, I think they tried to maybe even bring her into the original at some point. Okay, I have to admit, I I was not a fan when I first saw it of the Topsy scene. I was just like, this is garbage. And then I saw it again. <laughs> and I was like, this isn't garbage. I like this. <laughs> it is. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it, it's a lot of fun. Now, I will, I will tell you, you mentioned... Um, the cover is not the book, right? Cover is not the book. Being one oh. of the greatest songs, and of course, you know the the rap from heart. I, 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 I say, actually I can re- still recite ninety five percent of that rap. I did it today. I was like, can I still recite this? And so I did it at work today in like the silence of a room. I was like, yep, I still got it. I, I will say that that rap, I think, was a little bit much on their part. Like it was, it was Disney's opportunity to showcase we got Lin Manuel Miranda. Like, like, I'm being very honest. I'll, I'm gonna give that for what it is. Like, we got Lin Manuel Miranda. We're gonna use him for something like this. Like, we're gonna put a little Hamilton into this. But yeah. <laughs> Once upon a time in a nursery rhyme, there was a castle with a king hiding in a wing. Cause he never went to school to learn a single thing. He had scepters and swords and a parliament of lords, but on the inside he was sad. He died because he never had a wisdom for numbers, a wisdom for words. Though his crown was quite immense, his brain was smaller than a bird's. So the queen of the nation made a royal proclamation to the missus and the messes, the moral lessers. Bring me all the land's professors. Then she went to the hairdressers and they came from the east and they came from the south. From each college they put knowledge from their brains into his mouth. But the king couldn't learn, so each professor met their fate. For the queen had their heads removed and placed upon the gate. And on that date, I stayed there once, I got a note, the mate was now the late great But then suddenly one day a stranger started in to sing He said, I'm the dirty rascal and I'm here to teach the king And the queen clutched the jewels, for she hated royal fools But this fool had some rules, they really ought to teach in schools Like you'll be a happy king if you enjoy the things you've got You should never try to be the kind of person that you're not So they sang and they laughed, for the king had found a friend And they ran onto a rainbow for the story's perfect end So the moral is, you mustn't let the outside be the guide For it's not so cut and dried Well, unless it's Dr. Jekyll, then you better hide Petrified! No, the truth can't be denied as I now have testified, all that really counts and matters is the special stuff inside. Yep, I agree. I, okay. I just all of yours, like I, I guess I love, I love both the movies. I'm so connected to the original that I like. I love the we love to laugh, laughing tea parties on the ceiling, and Mary Poppins that she just, well, I don't have to laugh to fly up to the ceiling with all of you, and I'll serve tea. <laughs> And, and just like how, how straight she is through all of it and just, oh, it's time to go. Oh, that is sad news as they all float down. I just, again, it's the original. So that's, there's some of that, but, um, but I, yeah, I just, I, I think, 
Uncle Arthur is an excellent character and oh, I don't disagree. I think he's a great character too. I just, I, I like Topsy a lot. I just, I, I, I love I think Meryl Topsy's Street. almost I mean. a little creepy. I don't know. I don't <laughs> like Topsy as much. Yeah. I, I, I'm warming up to her. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else on your list? I, I pretty much ran through mine at this point. So. I mean, I guess this one is a hard one because it's a fantastical story. And so it's all supposed to be not explainable. But the fact that you're going to get all of these gentlemen with ladders to climb up Big Ben and change the time. And that's what's going to get you to the bank on time. I, I, I don't know. It, it, that, it just went a little bit too big, I think we mm-hmm. said. Like, again, you know, it's... It's a fantastical yeah, movie. It's you could also be like, yeah, you're okay with the flying, you know, person on an umbrella, but, you know, you can suspend disbelief no, there, but not the, for this. The, the, chim- the chimney sweeps doing what they do in, in the original. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, it's a fantastical... I mean, I've got a talking umbrella, for crying out loud. I mean, yeah. you know, that they... Or, or, you know, a reflection that talks back and says, you know, cheeky. I just... I, it is. It's all fantastical, and and I think I, though that like it, all those other things aren't that aren't like the storyline isn't isn't those are not critical to the storyline. Whereas these people changing back Big Ben is what allows this huge life change to happen. And I guess I this this wouldn't have been as exciting and cinematic, but I would have been okay if Mary Poppins would have floated on up and changed Big Ben and what then that, and then that reset, you know, the time that the Admiral is now, you know, correct and Big mm-hmm. Ben's finally correct because I did enjoy that payoff. I agree with you that that was a really funny payoff. But yeah, as they're mm-hmm. building the letter, I'm like Mary Poppins can fly with her umbrella. This seems like a waste of time. Like we're, uh, and, and we're it's using like, way too many resources. Yeah, she it, can just <laughs> fly up there and do this herself. Oh, it's it's the it. Eagles in Lord of the Rings all over again. Like, why don't we just fly the Eagles to Mordor and drop it in and then be done? Be done with it. Yeah, climactic, I guess, is the the key. So I think. Oh yeah, I mean it. It definitely has more suspense. I think at the end of the day, you got two absolutely great movies that tell fantastical stories that I think are are are, are connected now. I mean, Mary Poppins Returns is part of the universe. Uh, they don't need to do another one. And there, there's no reason for a third. Um, I think when you look at the two together, the story truly is about Mary Poppins looking after the bank's children, meaning Michael and Jane. Like and it's, it's, she's looking after them as children and looking after, at them, after them as adults and all these other folks, uh, whether it's, you know, their, you know, uh, uh, Michael and Jane's dad or the, the children and the new one, all these other people are also touched by it, but truly her potential is, is looking after them throughout their entire life. And I think um, no matter which one you like, there's no wrong answer here. I mean, they're, they're both amazing movies. And again, you can sit there and listen to the music and they bring back memories. And I think for me, that the thing that I enjoy most and, and know most or feel best about is that, you know, Walt chased getting the ability to make these movies for over two decades. He clearly saw something in them when his daughters loved them. Um, and, and here we are literally, you know, 70 some years later or more 70, 80 years since they were written or more. Um, and they still resonate with, with, you know, with fans. I think that's amazing. Yeah. So when we go to Disney World, we now this will change when we take our children, but pretty much the only character that we see 
is Mary Poppins. And and I oh. guess it, by default, if uh, like the penguin is with her, we see the penguin as well. I've never um, seen the penguin. Yeah, last time they we were we, we, we yeah. were there in Magic Kingdom because um, wow. normally we would see her in Epcot, Epcot where England. where we'd 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 catch up to her in England and and on our Epcot day. And then there was one time we were just around. It's by like Liberty Square is her meet and greet. And we're like, oh, Mary Poppins is going to be here. And so we we got in line. And then the penguin walks out. We're like, what? When I went with my mom, we were in the we were in the the train station uh, at Magic Kingdom. We were up we were up the stairs and we're looking over Main Street and we're and we're um, we're looking over Main Street. and We're looking at the parade or whatever we're doing. And there wasn't a whole lot going on. Like it was, it was kind of slower. And we turned around, and no joke, she's right there in the train station. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh. it's Mary Poppins. And she goes, hello, you know, do it, does her thing, right? And we're like, <laughs> and my mom, my mom my mom, just absolutely loved her, like, loved the way she talked and loved the way she interacted. And no one else was around. We got, like, a ton of pictures with her in front of Main Street USA. If the oh, castle that's so behind, cool. She was, like, right there. Like, it just was out of nowhere. It's like she was walking around. Um, it was so weird. <laughs> I've never yeah. seen Definitely the, the first time I met Mary Poppins at Disney was like, it was almost our turn. I was like, Matt, what do I say to her? It's Mary Poppins. What do I say? Like, I completely had a fangirl moment where I was like, I don't, Matt's like, she's a normal like, person. She don't, you just talk to her. Just talk to her. And I was like, <laughs> but what do I say? Like, how, how, how do you Mary say it? Poppins. Yeah. yeah. Like, seriously, it's like meeting your hero. <laughs> well, and, and I will say as an adult, like I'm so careful with character meet and greets because I don't want to be the jerk that's like trying to trip them up or or like I, I I but I want to like genuinely like have a conversation with them without like trying to throw them off their game. So you know, it's such a weird balance of suspension of disbelief and reality. I and mean, where where do I sit in this? This is so strange. Matt I, Matt, I will tell you that I guarantee you, you will never throw those characters off. They train for that. You know what? I, I know. So, but... You're so nice. You will never throw them off. You're not that guy. I know. I, there's I'm no just way. So conscious of guy. it. Um, and I believe, right. um, I believe you can meet Bert, but only at the Christmas party. I think really? Bert is at the very Merry Christmas party. I think Bert comes out with her. That's so. so cool. Sometime. All right. Sometime. Yeah. Any final thoughts, guys? Well, thanks for having me on. I love Mary Poppins. I love getting to talk about her. And um, I think both Emily Blunt and Julie Andrews do a fabulous job at portraying her. I'm always going to be partial to Julie Andrews because she's my childhood hero. But um such an awesome series, Disney did really well with them, and I'm grateful for Agreed. all of it. Yeah, I think for officially on. We, we, we can we can you. officially call her the, a friend of the pod now too, because she's yes, because you've been on twice now. So yes, you, you are can start your start your punch card. There you go. There you go. So, <laughs> all right. Well, it is closing time. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on Facebook at Beers and Ears Podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Beers and Ears, uh, Beers Ears 1928. Feel free to email us at beersandears1928 at gmail.com. Please, um, you know, download, uh, subscribe, find us wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend. Um, Beers and Ears uh, is a uh, product of the Sorcerer Network. Matt, do you want to talk about that for a second? What is the Sorcerer Network? This is new. 
Yes. Yeah, so as some of you may have seen, like I know on Apple Podcasts, it talks about it, that um, you might see Sorcerer Network on there. And so uh, this was a pipe dream of mine uh, to uh, have a podcast network. But um, um, so I just put it in place when we started this as like, uh, OK, you know what? I'll just stick this in place. And if it comes to nothing, fine, you know, whatever. Um well, um, we have a, a um, another podcast that is joining the Sorcerer Network. Um, I am I'm starting it with one of my friends, uh, Chris, uh, and it is called Discontinued on Display, where we are talking about discontinued items, and our first season is all um, discontinued food. And so the kind of the theme is we are curators of a discontinued museum. And so the new, the first exhibit that we're showing off is food. So we, um, we're, we're discussing, um, pretty soon here, the release date of the first season. And so in the next episode, uh, I will, uh, I, I will have that release date. So be on the lookout for that. You can actually, uh, I guess I'll shout out this. You can already follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Twitter at discontinued pod and on Instagram, discontinued on display. The reason that they are different is because Twitter limits the amount of characters you can have in your Twitter handle. <laughs> um, you so yes, yeah, so the Sorcerer Network is 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 growing. going to have its second podcast. It's growing, so um, very exciting things happening. I'm 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 giddy about it. I'm very I'm, excited. I, I'm hoping that one of the discontinued foods you talk about is like Dunkaroos or something. Although they did just bring those back, so I don't know. Yeah. For a while there, they were discontinued. I've learned a lot more about ketchup than I could ever care to know. <laughs> oh, oh, oh boy, oh boy! Are we talking about green ketchup, Shrek ketchup? You, you betcha! Oh, I can't wait to hear about Shrek ketchup. <laughs> I remember that when I was a kid. So, all right, well, let's go ahead and raise our glasses. This episode has been on us. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>